welcome to another episode of No Nonsense with Pamela Wallen. We're going to wrestle a couple of issues today. One, I think when we all went through the Rogers tech meltdown, uh, we realized how vulnerable we were. I know I, for one, was kind of surprised. How do we let this stuff happen when we're so fundamentally dependent on the technology from everything from calling 911 to uh, just our basic day-to-day communication and banking and all of those things. The second issue I want to get into with our guest is the whole question of regulation of the technology, regulation of the internet, which we do regularly on this program. But I really like to get uh, Tim Denton's perspective. He is a former CRTC national commissioner. He is a lawyer where he says he describes his work as meeting, working at the intersection of law and technology. And he is also currently the chair of the Internet Society's Canadian chapter. And this is a group that monitors and follows and comments upon these issues regularly. So, I know, uh, Tim, you're very concerned about the government's attempt to regulate speech by regulating the internet. But I want to start, if I could, for a moment, just on what happened with Rogers. Uh, what Should this be happening in 2022? What do we do when it does, when so much of our lives are tied up into this? Um, well, first of all, it shouldn't be happening in does and accidents happen. Right. Um, it's up to government, in a sense, to uh, seek to mitigate the damage uh, and to seek to mitigate the occurrence. I, especially concerned uh, with uh, emergency services calling right. and the ability of uh, public safety access points to return the calls and to know where you are and not to not to lose track of the call. Um, and that's that's important enough. Um, I think the other thing is basically uh, you need to be very suspicious of any moves to replace cash. Um, uh, I, I don't like the idea of a, of a currency that, that is dependent upon computers for its validity. Um, and uh, I think that's the, the conservative uh, safety first approach would be to make sure you have a few hundred bucks in your wallet. And, um, you know, I've got to tell you that when I lived in New York after 9-11, and so we went into drills in the office all the time for what would happen. I always have cash. Be, and, you know, there I was the other day, one of the lucky ones, uh, when the Rogers system went down. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's um, important. I mean, it's a bit like having a wood stove uh, when you've yeah. got... Uh, you know, gas heating or electrical heating, you yeah. know, you've got a survival mode, uh, yeah. which is impossible for a lot of people given that they live in high rises. But anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, I think the government should inquire. I think there should be a scientific and dispassionate inquiry and it, it should be uh, lessons to be learned. And uh, I'm sure there will be some, but I, I seek to avoid the condemnation of, 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 uh, of Rogers or anybody involved for premature because you know disasters happen and and it's yeah. really not a question of of uh, it's a question of resilience it's a question of being able to come back from it and um i don't have um i don't have enough knowledge now to to say yeah. the government should do this that or the next thing but it should certainly should be doing what it is which is inquiring um carefully but one of the things government sort of suggested and and I mean, it seems sensical. If Rogers goes down, 
turn to Bell and say, help us out or vice versa. But on the other hand, then that kind of doubles the load on, on that second carrier, whoever they are, and who knows what will happen there. Yeah, there's only so much infrastructure, and one has to be careful about imposing um, um, a 50% increase of load on, on, a, on a network, just as you would not wish to impose 50% increase of load on an electrical network uh, all, all of a sudden. So I think they've got to start in smaller increments of uh, getting 911 to work in this situation and then see about a load sharing. But that's, um, again, that's technical, scientific, and needs dispassionate yeah. inquiry. Not, not a political declaration. Not you and me making declarations. <laughs> okay, yeah, I agree with that because we really don't know you're, what we're talking You're getting about. to yes. <laughs> but one of the issues where we are both very um, uh, up to speed on and very concerned about is something I just mentioned briefly, the government's ongoing attempt to regulate speech um, by regulating uh, the internet and content thereon. So there are these two questions, like go and get the technology working, um, and government does have some role in that, so that me sitting in Saskatchewan can actually have a conversation with you, which we tried to do yesterday and didn't work out so well. So I would like somebody to work on that. But then I'm very concerned about what I see happening from two or three different pieces of government legislation. So you came through the CRTC process, and now the government wants the CRTC, which currently regulates CBC and CTV and the broadcasters that we know. But now they want to regulate us. Um, (laughs) I'm assuming you don't think that's a good idea. I think it's a, it's a colossal disaster. Um, um, the just to, the basic facts is that the, under the Broadcasting Act, which is a which is a very uh, thoroughly regulatory uh, in, institution, mm-hmm. um, there's about four thousand five hundred to five thousand entities that are regulated, and uh, they owe their being to a federal uh, licensing authority. And, uh, you know, the older Broadcasting Act had more objectives to be achieved by broadcasting than there were letters in the alphabet. I am not kidding. <laughs> and um, um, it was highly regulated. And uh, in order to, and it was premised, it was premised on very few licensees talking to very many people. And there was a case for a significant level of government uh, intervention and control over over the power, the assumed power of the the few voices talking to the many, the three talking to millions, the five talking to millions. And um, the, um, but that was a broadcasting model. It was a 20th century uh, invention. Uh, It's relatively modern idea. The older idea was that of printing, which after a few revolutions and a couple of beheadings of monarchs, um, it, it turned into a, a view that you didn't have to have a prior permission of the state in order to print. Right. And up until now, uh, in Canada, as in elsewhere in the world, you clack away on your keyboard or you talk like we are talking, and we're not doing so under government authority. No, we're responsible for what we say, Right. but we don't have prior permission. So when you publish a book, there's not a there's not a stamp uh, coming from either the office of the Holy Inquisition or from the CRTC saying, you know, nothing prevents this book from being published, right? And that's we're going back to 18th century Portugal, 15th century Spain, 
we're having a a stamp of approval on uh, what is uh, tweeted, what is uh, or the platform, or the or the content themselves, and this is um, uh, utterly reactionary. Um, uh, it is um, implicitly totalitarian, and um, I defy anyone to argue against it and on, yeah. on for it on those other than those terms. Those are the those are the words that come to mind. I mean, and the government uh, has been intent on this. They tried desperately to get a bill C ten, which was going to uh, monitor, was going to um, control free speech or speech generated by users. My tweets, my podcasts, whatever that may be. Yes. They then broke and had an election, so that uh, that legislation disappeared they were re-elected and they came back with a vengeance despite the fact that they had been consulting through that time that the election was on and later and people many people were saying to them what you're saying which is you can't do this you can't take an old 20th century model that you imposed on tv channels and tv networks and put it slap it on the internet and everybody who uses it 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 doesn't fit it's it's not the right thing even if you want to do that and furthermore doing that controlling speech is also not a good thing well this this there's several things there are several points of objection to to what is up first of all the crtc has neither the competence nor the capacity and no group of human beings however wise would have that capacity it is not because the crtc is defective is because no human institution right. really should be in that business um the second thing is um when you come to this sort of apart from the practical questions you have long-term cultural issues that are at stake and by that i mean is a is that um you know freedom of speech is is this is the freedom which really guarantees all the other rights. Yeah. And uh, you don't really know what you think until you speak it, till you utter it. It may be uttered in print, it may be uttered in video, you may have a rant with the TV camera in, in your computer, you may, you know, this is just normal that, that people don't know what they think until they have the ability to write it. And um, the idea that we should all be writing or um, speaking or making videos with a heavy, um, intrusive, pervasive feeling of angst coming from, oh my God, will my license be pulled or yeah. will YouTube cancel me uh, or my monetary model be, be wrecked uh, because of what I say is, is exactly the kind of pervasive fear that uh, regimes of this sort want. And I, I come back to it is, is that a great deal of our problem everybody's problem in looking at some of these bills is just saying, I can't believe what I'm reading. I yeah. cannot believe what I'm reading. It's, it's like reading, uh, I don't know, um, to make a, a, only a, a significant, but not a significant exaggeration, but it's like reading, you know, Hitler's empowering act uh, here, hereafter, all the government may rule by order and counsel. Thank you very much. You're dismissed. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so there's very problematic, to use a modern term, uh, elements to C C11, which is the inheritor of C10, and various yeah. of the other statutes. They're and, poorly and crafted. 
Yeah, they're they're definitely poorly crafted. The other concern that comes up with those that you've listed is that, you know, uh, the minister says, oh, we're not going, don't worry, we're not coming after user-generated content. You write your emails, you send out your tweets. We have other ministers uh, for whom, um, well, in one case of Minister Gilbo, who's perhaps English was not his first language, but blurted out things like, um, we, you know, we don't want criticism of the government. We're going to make sure that doesn't happen. I mean, when you start to hear those things, everything gets very, very troubling. Then you hear from the CRTC that's supposed to be the regulatory body that, oh, no, they're not going to regulate the Internet. They're going to force the service providers, the Yes. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's like you're saying everybody will now speak with the same freedom of speech as you have putting a, in a letter to the editor. Yeah. The, the letter to the editor becomes the model whereby they will craft, they, they bear the responsibility for what is printed, um, yeah. and you will conform to their spacing and other requirements, their right. algorithm, so to speak. And, yes, the um, old-fashioned algorithm, yeah. Yeah, so you don't escape you don't escape control by de delegating governmental control to to uh, large platforms. It's just uh, relocates it and makes it less accountable. Right. Uh, you have written about this because I keep coming back to the same question, and I do this as a senator that sits in front of committees studying this legislation that I find extremely troubling um, when, when we have mixed messages, but clearly the one that comes through is we want to regulate content on the internet and we're going to do it and you can't stop us. But I, I always keep coming back, which is the obvious reason of why government wants to do this is because they don't want criticism of themselves. They, they want to have some say over how the debate is carried on in this country. Um, and I guess any government that gets elected uh, wants to stay elected and will use the tools. But you've written about these so-called guiding principles um, that kind of started this ball rolling for them. Well, I, I, I'm not entirely sure to what you refer, but I will say this, that in the last uh, few years, we've seen um, two very large issues upon mm -hmm. which government is claiming a, a strong interventionist authority, the, the, the global warming climate change debate um, and, and the COVID, each of which have involved compulsory measures and the justification, uh, the felt justification by governments to save the planet um, uh, on these kinds of matters, about which far fewer people are in accord than they might like. And um, as the coercive steps, uh, take, for example, the Dutch farmers, uh, as the coercive steps get stronger and more obvious, uh, they, many in government, I think, fear the self-organizing power of people to um, oppose. And um, as they seek to gain more power over us, in terms of lockdowns, masks, uh, compulsory vaccinations, et cetera, et cetera, um, about which there is a very large and legitimate controversy. Mm -hmm. They seek to, uh, uh, they can be, I'll be polite about it, 
they can one can infer they seek to control debate about this to a much greater extent because it only takes a few heretics at the beginning to start um, what I might call, say, vaccine hesitancy or global warming skepticism um, mm. of any kind. And uh, uh, when you have, um, you know, fanatics like Stephen Gilbo and others, they're not interested um, in hearing, tolerating in any sense, an actual debate about these matters. You know, the science is settled. The science is settled. The science yeah. is settled. And um, we're in a stage of a very acute social contest, social and ideological contestation, such as we haven't been since, I don't know, the late 60s, early 70s. Um, and um, right now, the forces of authoritarianism are um, firmly on the side of the political left and firmly on the side of telling you what you should be thinking and saying and feeling. If not, you're either a, a, a you know a racist, a, a deplorable, a, a this or a that. Yeah. So there's a good deal of this going around, and I think C C11 is its natural extension. Yeah, I mean, you you raised a good example, which is the Dutch farmers, and we saw them literally rallying in the street to protest a government policy that was going to put not only them out of business, but food sources for the world at risk. And, you know, that's the same thing we see here, whether it's livelihoods from the energy sector or the impact of everything from carbon tax to carbon taxes to restrictions on use of fertilizer or whether we're going to put labels on uh, farm produced food saying it's unhealthy and, and unsafe for you. And I think people do have to have a mechanism between elections to express their views on that provided they are within the law, you can't have hate speech and you can't have, you know, um, racism in your speech and all of those things. But short of that, we have to be able to have that discussion as a nation, as a population of a given well, nation. The, the very, the, entirely, we have to be able to have that discussion and it won't always be pretty. It right. won't always be balanced. It won't always be fair. But some, and if people are fanatically committed to um, certain positions, uh, opposition to those positions will seem like um, coming from uh, you know barbaric yops rather than civil yeah. discourse. And uh, people in the people in the controversy business, much more than you or I, such as Jordan Peterson or, and and others, are fully you know um, subject to a great deal of scrutiny for what they say. But we'll all become under that. Kind, we can all come under that kind of scrutiny and we can all be canceled. And well, especially. I mean, sorry, Ed. Well, I'm just thinking, I mean, whatever anybody thinks of Donald Trump, to be able to silence a president of the United States on Twitter or cut him off does mean it is uh, it's, it's possible for any of us to be silenced in that way. The technological it's yeah, the technological means is at hand. Yeah. And uh, that has always far more to do with how things turn out than discussion of rights and responsibilities. If I can do it and it's easily done in a cost-effective way, then, you know, censors will censor. And um, I think this is where we're at. They would, they would like legal justification for it, or yeah. they would like to have legal justification for them to lean on the platforms to, to do it for them. But I think uh, the real thing is this, is this centralization of, of, of control over discourse is uh, is is quite strong, and um, 
I think they intend to use it. When when you were writing about the guiding principles in the Heritage Department, which is the government department that has the lead on this, yes, um, it it comes from their desire to achieve diversity, equity, inclusion, all of the, the yes. words that we um, we hear from this. But it goes so much further than that, and and there are two other bills I want to come back and talk sure. to you: online harms bill, but also C eighteen, which is about forcing anybody who links to content and puts that on a uh, online will be subject to payment requirements to pay the existing mainstream yes. legacy media for that. It's it's all complicated, which is why I think people have a hard time getting their arms around this. But if we can just stay on C11 for a moment, because you've got the CRT ex- CRTC experience, it is not clear to me, even in these attempts to do it, and, and you've mentioned this, the CRTC does not have either the expertise or the ability, the size, the number of people, the technology to monitor the billions of exchanges that go on every day. So that means they're going to have to target. Well, they they can target. Uh, they can uh, put a general regulations for uh, you know twenty two year old clerks in in Google to interpret or you know yeah. uh, it, it it really they work by getting the platforms to do the dirty work for them right. uh, with you know unappealable bans or suspensions or. You know, you have you have indicated you know distrust of government figures on COVID deaths. Right. You know, wrong. Um, yeah. uh, so they, how should I put it? I believe <laughs> it is there is work that even if it could be done, should not be done. Yes. Okay. And um, uh, the attempts to make the world uh, woke. Are first of all going to generate a in an, and are in the process of generating a, you know a reaction to it. Yeah. But uh, the idea that um, the simplest and biggest stupid idea in the world currently dominant is that unequal results are the sign of racism. It's that yeah. stupid. Um, and any unequal result, however statistically engineered. Yeah, I mean, how perceived is the result of basically not just racism, but white racism yeah. is um, sociological twaddle, but it's um, it pervades everything. It is a gigantic, stupid idea because to to face the contrary is that people are as unequal as they are equal. People are unequal in vastly important ways. People are equal in hugely fundamental ways. Right. And we deal in society with the conflicts between equality and inequality. Um, you know, Jordan Peterson um, is a vastly more accomplished public speaker and um, money earner than I am. D- do I have equal time and equal rights to equal time with Jordan Peterson? I think not. And I don't, a great deal of this equality business is, is simply the mobilization of envy for the uh, purposes of um, 
of, of, of social disruption. Um, but I think that at the core of the big stupid ideas that are marching through society and overturning universities and, and wrecking institutions is the belief that there can be no unequal outcome but for racism and particularly white racism. Yes. and the um, So, so you're groups thinking get that's, a pass. What's, that's what's underlying a lot of this. I mean, when you talk about this, the intent on uh, controlling the discussion that goes on to ensure that we achieve diversity and equity and inclusion. It yeah. seems, you know, any government could be com committed to those kinds of ideals and, and goals, but to try and find very particular ways by controlling speech to accomplish that, uh, there's lots of things governments can do. They can, you know, uh, reorder and disperse funds, you know, gener money generated by our They can society. spend, they can plan, they can right. build, and they can legislate. But there's right. they can't really necessarily do that much. Yeah. But controlling speech seems to me not to be helping any of those particular issues if, if they're dead serious about well, that. Well, let's... This is the last tool you'd use. Well, of course, uh, Pamela, you, you don't have the mind of a commissar. But the first thing you must control is speech so that people will professionally and in any other way not be able to notice publicly. Yeah. They will not be able to notice things. They'll not be able to observe things. If observed, it will be kept in themselves. There'll yeah. be a, a, a public face and there'll be a private face. Yeah. Um, It'll be complete freedom of discussion as long as you're away from the microphones within people you've known and trusted for 20 years and not more than two people or three people in the conversation. Then there'll be freedom of speech. Everywhere else, the iron mask will go on. And that is the point. The yeah. point is social control. The point is not freedom of speech. The point is obedience to a, a view of things in which the only possible explanation for inequality is racism mm -hmm. and this in in one of the least racially concerned societies in the world canada with the most profound dedication to equality of rights is is uh somehow made to feel bad uh, for its existence and this is the game that that our, our government is playing with us and you just have to see the the policies on or the talk and language around uh, residential schools, which is yeah. another good 19th century idea that went totally bad. In other yeah. words, another another crime of good intentions. And um, everywhere you see it, it's like the only possible explanation for the, 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 the evils of the world is, is white racism. End of story. Mm -hmm. There's no other explanation is possible. And then you impose an idea of society in this way. And everybody shuts up, obeys, and the, you know the Soviet Union. It lasted for seventy years. It's no, there's no reason it 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 won't last uh, many decades, if 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 successful. This this is um, I mean obviously what you're saying is is genuinely frightening. The the other companion bills here. Now uh, we haven't seen all of the details of the new version, but the online harms bill. Um, also feeds into that, although we already have rules about hate speech and 
about liability. You can't go on and say, I think this person committed murder um, without any evidence. We have courts of law for all of that uh, kind of thing. We have hate speech laws so that you can't uh, attack people based on their creed or color or those kinds of issues. Why do, is it the same principle behind that one in your mind? Well, um, the, the the legislation when it was first introduced, it's been withdrawn and for reconsideration. Yeah. was predicated on the notion that, that I think there was about six kinds of groups that were, in a sense, permanently less powerful and therefore permanently offended. And so, um, and, and, and representatives in that group would be making rules for uh, what would be said or how the act was to be interpreted. Forgive my looseness, so it's been a long time since yeah. I looked at it. But yeah. it was basically uh, terribly uh, woke in the sense that only certain people uh, lack power. Uh, those that lack power are in a position of vulnerability. They need special protection. Uh, and this bill was intended to give them special protection. And this was to be forever. In other words, um, you know, the, the, the legal framework would be that everybody who fell into those categories would be forever in those categories. In other mm -hmm. words, less powerful than presumably white cisgendered males or something of this mm -hmm. nature. Um, you know, you can fill in the blanks. You can fill in the blanks with this stuff anytime. Yeah. And so that was there. Uh, so that, that was how it was originally crafted. It's now... Uh, in a process of consultation among uh, uh, um, affected groups, affected groups, and you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, C18, on the other hand, which is the uh, shakedown of the uh, large um, uh, Meta and and probably Google for the use of hyperlinks, yeah. is um, um, another. Well, it's unclear as to who is covered. It's unclear as to what the CRTC should do about it, and it's unclear about um, how uh, the payers or the, the the designated businesses are to be um, make the payments and what the these private apparently private arrangements between the platforms and the uh, journalistic Legacy organizations yeah. Yeah. are to be worked out. We all know that. Um, legacy media it is just that. In many cases, they simply didn't respond to the new technology fast enough or with the right kind of equipment. And so they they were getting left behind in, in the money-making part of their business because fewer people were reading them or watching them because they had these other online sources to turn to. But a, a, a part of that exchange of ideas and battles and, and rethinking things is, you know, I, you and I are having a conversation and I want to say to you, why don't you read this piece that was in the newspaper? Or why don't you read, look, take a look at this uh, piece that was on the news and I'll, I'll send you a link to that. Even you and I can do that now if they impose that on the platforms then the result of that is we're all going to have access to less information and that will restrict our ability to exchange it with one another as a way to have a conversation. Well, yes, I'm, I'm concerned about any kinds of payments for hyperlinks uh, and accepting as, a, as the Internet Society in particular as a kind of position. I know we're, 
would be against payments for hyperlinks because yeah. the whole idea of the internet was free link up. Right. Um, the, the, the statute itself, C18, presumes to create an economic value when, uh, you know, the economic value runs the other way. I mean, Peter Menzies will say the economic value runs from the newspaper organization benefiting from the Correct. link, not the, you know, the, the large platform benefiting from the link. But anyway, having thus by fiat created an economic value in the link, it then says there must now be negotiations between a designated class of news organizations, which right. is the usual watch the definitions go there, and yeah. then a designated class of platforms with the CRTC in a um, rather ambiguous situation of seemingly having to approve them without yeah. much authority to change their um, the contents of these private agreements. So um, it's uh, unlike the Australians, the Australians have not implemented their act. They simply put it into place and said the minister may designate an organization that will be owing these payments. Yeah. And uh, so they didn't enact the legislation. They didn't put it into force. They, they, they corralled the parties into private negotiations and got the job done. So there's... Um, some concerns we have about how the legislation is drafted, but the most compelling concern is the internet wants to be free. And uh, uh, the net result of a great deal of this will be a growth in the virtual private networks so that'll yeah. escape um, uh, local control. Um, I guess what really always troubles me, and, and maybe it's my years in the world of journalism, but there is also not, a real response with a couple of exceptions, one of which we'll talk about to the erosion of free speech to limits on our ability to do that. I mean, it's such an underlying principle for, for journalism that, uh, you know, you just can't overstate it. At least journalism has practiced, um, you know, in the last century when I did so. Uh, but, you know, we see cases. There was a recent one where the CRTC was asked to rule on this, where on um, Radio Canada, the French version of CBC, yes, yes. the the N word was used in a discussion or was part of a discussion. It was and, uh, it was the it was the title of the book, Le Negre Blanc d'Amérique, right, which is uh, right. Pierre Vallière. It was a separatist exactly. and anti English and anti capitalist tract. Yeah. Um, and excoriating the French Canadians for their um, passivity in the face of all this uh, capitalist aggression against them. So that discussion, and we've seen that happen uh, on the English side of CBC too, where if you're reading the title of a book, certainly it shouldn't be an issue. Anyway, that came up, went to the CRTC, and the CRTC says, you shouldn't say that. And then everybody went oh my God, you're restricting free speech. We're not in favor of restri restricting free speech when in fact, it's the same group of people the uh, in large measure, certainly Quebec ministers, who are have been on the other side of this issue are the ones putting forward this legislation. Well, this illustrates uh, Denton's first law of human behavior, which is there's <laughs> no limit to uh, human hypocrisy, including my own. Um, 
But the 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 point being made is that the elites of French Canada, who had been largely, um, especially in the media, beating the drum that opposition to C10 as it then was or C11 was just a bunch yeah. of Anglo bigots, uh, envious or jealous of uh, you know subsidies to French TV, suddenly realized, oh, the censorship can apply to us. That was the f- the first shock. But that's just yeah. normal, normal human behaviors. Oh, I didn't know this stuff applied to us. Yeah. And then, uh, then the other thing that went on was that um, only two commissioners of the CRTC brought up the issue that uh, there's such a thing as the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and that this right. uh, provision was in a, against, this decision was against and did not properly consider our rights to free speech. Yeah. So Which uh, is again, they're in the chart. I mean, presumably that should be underlying in the basis for decisions made by government appointed bodies like the CRTC. One would think. So do, do you think that's going to change it? Because certainly the government is using Canadian content and specifically Quebec content, French language content, and French cultural content as a frame for this discussion. We want to make sure in this global enterprise called the internet that Canadian content is discoverable and findable and accessible, which I yeah. think it already is. But anyway, yes. they're using that as, as um, I don't know, it seems like kind of a 1960s thing in my head, but you know, people will go and find the content they like and choose, and there's a way to do it by simply typing it in you know, hello, the about. internet has been invented and everything has changed. I mean, all of this stuff is 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 an attempt to force uh, uh, force legacy media models onto the internet uh, rather than force yeah. the internet onto legacy media models. Yeah. And uh, so was, I used to joke in the CRTC that it was the Society for the uh, Preservation of Semi-Obsolescent Industry. And <laughs> it's like no joke goes unturned. It's like, yeah, it, it is. And so what they're trying to do is to preserve old business models yeah. through subsidy contraptions. And um, look, there's, I'm not of a generation that does it, but there was all kinds of young people, YouTubers and, and people who were making money off the internet who were saying TikTok this stuff yeah. is yeah. against our interests. We definitely, we, we, they, they make content. They don't need a license. They don't have permission. They make money off it. They're in, incredibly in tune with their stats and they sell it to the world because the internet is, by it's definition, a global yeah. network addressing system, which has points of contact everywhere in the world without regard to national or other boundaries. Yeah. And so the internet only knows IP addresses and, and autonomous system numbers. It doesn't know boundaries, it doesn't know nations, it doesn't know the claptrap of nationalism. So uh, when you when you try to impose this uh, crazy notion that um, <laughs> uh, the internet should be made to conform to 1980s Canadian broadcasting and that the internet is nothing more than a gigantic cable system which needs to yeah. be harnessed. That's a wonderful CRTC world. Yes. Harnessed like the uh, the two horses of, uh, you know, pulling the, pulling the, the buggy. The cart. Yes, yes. It's, and they actually think this. This is 
This is the trouble. You're seeing all these young entrepreneurs and they, they're building a business uh, using these platforms, just as anybody who starts a corner store or a hot dog stand, right? They're just using a different technology to do it. This is, you know, and they didn't, they didn't seek permission to the CRTC. There weren't hearings. There weren't, you know, there weren't hearings and processes and wise political appointees doing yeah. their best and correcting over the legal documents. It just, they just go and do it. Yeah, they just go which and is do it. how it should be. One one final point on this before I, I let you go and thank you so much again for um, always for a your, delight to talk. Yeah, to you, especially thoughtful, <laughs> um, material you do on this, but. You know, the rest of the world must be looking at this and saying, what are you people thinking that you're going to try and control the Internet and, you know, make sure there's enough Canadian content? Like, are are there other parts of the world just going, what? Oh, I <laughs> what, think I think I think I think Canada is becoming a, a laughing stock in every possible way of PC woke. It, it it goes through this for periodically. Uh, it just it, it Canada is 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 held as an I think an object lesson in how not to formulate internet policy. It's just how not to do it. Oh, let's impose a broadcasting model that'll really work. And uh, the more desperate they get about the advances of technology and the changes of how business is done, the more. Crazy they seem, but you know Canada is 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 a leader in uh, backward looking uh, technology policy, and uh, here we are. <laughs> Says the former, you know, national commissioner of the CRTC, who actually knows wherever he speaks on these issues that you sort of sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes. Well, thank you for this, Timothy. It's just really good. I mean, uh, a lawyer who works on telecom is an advisor you also have your your company windermere that does this and and as chair of the internet society i know you are one of the groups that that attempts to intervene not only domestically but internationally on these things to say give your head a shake intervening with this government on c11 was (laughs) was a lesson in uh, you know people will not understand what they are paid not to understand yeah, and uh, trying to talk to the government uh, people on this was just um, hopeless. They had their policy directions set, and when people like you come in and say, "No, you can't do it that way," then um, then we don't want to hear from you. Like a lot of the submissions that people made, looking at these leg- at these kinds of legislation, were were not even made public at the time. Individual, yeah. yeah. And Folks it, it was uh, the suppression of content was, uh, yeah. um, but anyway, you know, those who will, you know, will not see, and none so blind as those yeah. who will not, will see. not see. And and I think it's a choice on their part not to see the internet and not to understand it. And yeah, a, a, a confrontation with reality will ensue. Well, we're going to he- keep having conversations as long as we're allowed to. Uh, <laughs> and even after that <laughs> and maybe even after that maybe even after that tim denton thanks so much i know we'll talk again soon pamela lovely to talk bye-bye now great that's it for this edition of no nonsense with pamela Wallen. we will talk again soon bye-bye for now